Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and 2022 was pretty rough year, guys, but I'm going to call it right now. 2023 is finally going to be the year of Morbius. <laughs> joining, joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Avatar, everybody. <laughs> Not Avatar. Avatar. 2022 was the year of Lydia Tar. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Dave, you stepped all over mine. I was going to say, uh, we're looking back at 2022, which means one last time, it's Morbin time. Maybe it right. will. Maybe, I, I have hope, guys. Maybe 2023 will make it happen. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be covering our top 10 films of 2022. I know people... Like on, let's say, Jeff's DLC podcast, we'll say things like, uh, it's not top 10, it's favorite uh, mm-hmm. games of 2022 based on an incomplete sampling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people may say ordering lists, bad, not great. Yeah, yeah. You know. Some people say lists are a cheapening of the artistic process and uh, <laughs> and that it adds zero value to the discourse. And to anyone who say, participates it just really waters down everything, you yes, know, some, all of pop culture. People may say this. They may cluck their tongues and look down upon their noses at us. But I say, no, we are going to be covering what, in our opinion, is the top 10 films of 2022, according to each one of us. And I am unabashedly proud of the fact that it's called Top 10 films of 2022. Mm-hmm. That's what the name of this episode is. Wow. You can really, find uh, <laughs> really throwing shade at your upcoming co host there, Dave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com and find us on uh, Twitter and TikTok and YouTube and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. Uh, on TikTok, we are at thefilmcast. Uh, and, uh, before we get to our top 10 movies of 2022, uh, there are a couple things, uh, I wanted to just discuss real quick, you know, I wanted to reflect a little bit on the year and also wanted to talk about what our top story of the year was for the entertainment industry. We all, uh, got together before this and talked about like what we thought the story that defined this year in entertainment was for each of us. We're going to share that before we get to our top 10 films. So uh, anyway, that is what the agenda is for today. Let's start with just talking a little bit about this year in the film cast. Uh, Obviously, the last couple of years have been a challenging time for anyone in the media industry. But uh, I would say that 2021 was the year where people really stepped up with the Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast and decided to support us in a really big way. I actually went back and looked at our numbers we had um, 1,700 patrons at the beginning of 2021. And since then, it's grown to around 3,000. And 2022 is uh, where it has stayed at around 3,000 for pretty much the entire year. Like, so 2021 was a year where like people kind of like stepped up. And 2022 was the year that showed like, hey, this can be like kind of a stable source of income for all of us, that the, the show can continue to exist in its current form in the way that we've been doing it. Um, and so I just wanted to start as usual by saying thanks to everyone at patreon.com slash film podcast for your support. It really means a great deal. Incredible, incredible. And we are so fortunate to have such an awesome audience that values the show enough to support it. It's awesome. Yeah. I remember before the Patreon, we did wonder, um, do people actually like us? You know, <laughs> yeah. like we would get emails and stuff occasionally, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was questionable there for a while. Oh, totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the entire industry was falling apart and as we will discuss shortly still is. 
so <laughs> has fallen so, apart <laughs> is currently falling apart yeah mm-hmm. yeah so the future of the industry both movies tv entertainment and also media is very much in doubt constantly in the state podcasts. of perpetual collapse yeah podcasts uh, so we are really grateful to have the stability offered by the Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast. Um, I will also say, you know, on a personal note, the Patreon is what has allowed me to make some big moves, like quit my job and try to devote more time to, uh, working on, uh, this show and other shows that I'm working on as well. And, uh, I'm really grateful for that, but it's only because, uh, of the Patreon, you know, I, if it if we were a hundred percent ad supported, there's no way in heck I would even consider something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, no. The, honestly, the the patrons themselves single handedly allowed Dave to walk into his work, do the <laughs> double middle fingers, <laughs> set fire to his desk, mm-hmm. punch mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos, yeah, <laughs> yeah. say. Uh, <laughs> Check out my Patreon, bitches, and then leave. <laughs> mm, that's exactly Be sure to like went... and subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how it went down. That's exactly how it went down. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so a huge thank you on that front. And also, I would say uh, this is the year where we started getting into video, uh, and I think that will become uh, a bigger deal, possibly a big deal next year. Um, thousands of people have watched our videos on YouTube.com/slash/slash/filmcast. Um, tens of thousands have watched us on TikTok already. Uh, and I think that it's only going to get bigger and become a, a more critical part of how we get out into the world. Like I, I, I honestly think there's going to be a day in the next couple of years, assuming TikTok's not banned, which is very possible. (laughs) I honestly think there's a day. We're putting all of our eggs in the TikTok (laughs) basket, guys. Like really nothing could go wrong with nothing could go wrong, even though it is possibly going to be banned in the next couple Mm -hmm. and (laughs) in the next couple of years from the United States. Um, but, uh, I honestly think there's, there's very likely a day where like more people will access us, our work through video than they do through audio. Um, and this was the year where we really started making our baby steps towards that. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's been a big year for for all of us for the podcast. Um, and again, we have our patrons uh, to thank for that. We also have people who listen to the show to thank for that. Thanks for like allowing us to do this each week and for listening to our random thoughts on a bunch of things. So a big thank you for all of that. All right, with all that out of the way, let's talk about our stories of the year. Which stories did we think defined 2022? And I got to say it is uh, the collapse of Netflix's stock this year, I think, sent shockwaves throughout the industry and is going to be a really big story. Um, think about what has happened with, ne- with Netflix and with the streaming age. With streaming and with dedicating tons of resources to streaming, we gave up a lot of things, guys. We gave up a lot of things. Creative people lost out on residuals, back-end compensation. The rest of us lost out on the theatrical experience, the big marketing uh, for an opening weekend that makes movies cultural events. We got shorter TV seasons, tons of really crappy movies, and shows seemingly getting canceled by algorithm. Uh, Just this week, I don't know if you saw, 1899 was canceled, despite being beloved by millions of people and ending on a massive cliffhanger. (laughs) Well, but th- th- that's just like old TV, though. Uh, yeah, yeah so. there's no. Yeah, that's that, always that's happened. not new. Yeah. And also, sh- you put shorter TV seasons in there as a negative. That's a good thing. That's a that good is- thing. <laughs> all right, hey guys, who's who's story yeah. of the year is this? Anyway, <laughs> um, but in exchange for all those compromises, we got that nice sweet Wall Street money, boys. That nice old stock price that just kept going up and up and up. 
Um, well, no more. This year, the Netflix magic ended. In April of 2022, Netflix announced that it had lost subscribers for the first time in more than 10 years, and it was projected to lose more. The stock dropped 35% overnight and lost $50 billion off its market cap. There are a bunch of implications for this. Like, I think virtually every other story uh, in the entertainment world was impacted mm -hmm. by this story. Um, but here are just like a couple that I kind of can think of right off the right off the top, right? I think, first of all, we're going to see less massive budget movies going straight to streaming. Like, the, the, the days of like, you, you might still get an occasional like Gray Man or Red Notice, but in general, I mean, we saw with Those like, surefire hits, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in general, I mean, uh, like we saw like a, a Batgirl, $90 million Batgirl movie shelved. And the reason it was shelved is because it's like, hey, we don't think we can make money off of releasing this straight to streaming. And obviously there's tax implications because of the merger as well for that specific story. But like, I think in general, people have realized it is folly to just release these massive movies straight to streaming. Uh, and I think we're going to see less of it moving forward. Um, I also think that uh, we're going to see a lot of other companies realize that streaming is not like streaming is not as profitable as I thought it was. It's not going to mm -hmm. give them the stock mm -hmm. price they want. And some will exit the space in the next few years. Specifically, I'm going to name three services, Peacock, Paramount Plus, and HBO Max. At least one of those services will either not exist or not be with their current owner within the next yeah. few years. We'll that's likely be gobbled That's up something somehow. I'm calling right now. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, we saw Netflix get into the ad tier, something that they never, they said they would never do. They're, they have recently launched an ad tier uh, because they need to like capitalize, they need to make their market share as big as possible. Um, so I think this was a huge, huge story. Uh, it's a sad story. Uh, because mm -hmm. if, if they're belt tightening, which means everyone's going to be belt tightening. Like everyone thought they knew what they were doing. And I'm going to say, of course, streaming has brought many good things too, right? Like absolutely accessibility, yeah. like sensations like Squid Game, like that wouldn't exist if Netflix wasn't such a huge phenomenon. So it's not like a total net loss for society or anything. But mm -hmm. I think we lost a lot when we dedicated all of Hollywood's resources to streaming. <laughs> And I think this year we realized, hey, actually, maybe it wasn't such a good idea. Maybe, yeah, go ahead. It was also the pandemic, too. Like, I don't think um, streaming was a big deal pre-pandemic, but I do feel like post-pandemic, everyone's like, oh, crap, everyone's at home. Like, we got to capitalize on this and all these eyeballs. And I think there's a mad rush for that. But, you know, I've been following Netflix as a business since I've been writing about tech. And one thing about Netflix is that the stock has always been kind of overvalued, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there was this, in when I started writing, it was like 2010, it was like, you know, post the financial crisis and startups were like just getting big. And I was covering Instagram when it was just like four or five people. Right. And like I saw what happened to that company and so many other companies. And I started to feel like money is not real, guys. Actually, <laughs> yeah. this money is just coming from nowhere. This company's not making money yet. Investors keep pouring hundreds of millions into these companies as if uh, growth was infinite. Right. As if this would well, go on forever. They, I feel like that was a big problem. Yeah. They they you know pointed out into the the stands and they're like we're gonna get to five hundred million subscribers in the next ten years, right? Yeah. And so I agree with you; it was overvalued, and a lot of this the overvaluation was premised on the fact that they would keep growing until that point. And then when it's like, guess what? They're not gonna grow until that point. It's like, oh crap! Like, yeah, I made a huge tiny mistake. It, it was growth <laughs> at all costs, and that was that explains Facebook. That explains so many things, but it totally. also explains like the mess Facebook is in right now as a business, you know, as it yeah. tries to pivot away from social to, to other stuff and to the metaverse. Um, but Netflix, like, 
I, I see it as a great leveling. You know, I don't see it as like, oh my God, streaming is doomed. It's more like, well, you know, we do like streaming. People do like streaming stuff at home. There is definitely a need for this, but people like movies too. We're going back to the movies. A movie, you know, some studios actually put their movies in theaters, made a decent chunk of change, like smaller studios that did that this year. Um, there were some pretty successful theatrical releases. And then they hit streaming six to eight weeks later and everybody's happy. So yeah, I feel like huge hit on we are, we are yeah, finding I, I, that medium right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would describe it as a reckoning. Like mm -hmm. this, this is the reckoning. Streaming is super overvalued. Now it's like the valuation is back down to earth again. And people realize it makes sense to put movies in theaters. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Um, so I agree. And I agree with you. Like, you know, I think we agree on like most points. I don't think streaming is going away either. Yeah. Uh, it's still it's going to be here for a long time to come. But it was definitely a big reset. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, uh, people are a lot more realistic. Like we, we yep. have seen billions of dollars being poured into streaming by many, many companies over the course of the last few years. And I think the market mm -hmm. is in the process of correcting itself. So that I feel is, like, um, yeah. I mean, let's not forget Quibi guys. Let's not, let's really, I feel like this, the domino started is like, it's the meme <laughs> of the tiny domino leading As us to the big Big thing knocking mm. down. It, it, As you it, always it, said, Devendra. Yeah. As goes Quibi, so goes the world. So mm -hmm, goes the world. Mm -hmm, Quibi, mm -hmm. two billion dollars. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. Evaporated, evaporated <laughs> for that yeah. god awful service, and we knew it was terrible. Everybody was telling them it was terrible. I sat down with those people and said, "This is a bad idea," and they were like, "No, it's not." Was that because this year? So. Was that last year? That was twenty twenty, buddy. Twenty twenty two years ago. Yeah, oh, time is a flash. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel like a big part of me is just like I'm. I'm not so much jaded with like the media industry and the tech industry, but it's also like you got to call people out on their bullshit because so many people have been trying to sell us bullshit. And oh, the crypto market is falling apart. It's all a giant scam that we were all telling you two years ago. Um, I think skepticism is a very, very good uh, trait to have. And I think even moving forward, like it's kind of what we have to rely on now. Yeah. Yes. But I, I, I have a hard time looking at this from the corporate perspective i i'm i'm firmly entrenched in my own little uh end user perspective uh and i think uh, ultimately uh streaming has been pretty darn good i mean yes it has contracted the uh film market but i think that was happening anyway mm -hmm, and i mm -hmm. think the thing that's so this is undoubtedly a big story but i agree with you devendra that it, it feels more like a leveling than it does like a falling off a cliff and I'm hoping, I, I remain optimistic that, you know, I, there was this massive expansion of all these different services and it just felt like too many. And maybe we will whittle down to a manageable number again. Mm -hmm. yeah. and I think the, the positive about streaming is that it was always a race to quality. And I think it has forced network TV to up their game. I think the, the average quality level of a new piece of promoted mainstream television content is higher than it's ever been yeah mm -hmm. there's still crap there's still all kinds of crap but i mean there's more great stuff being made and i think what streaming services did is force everybody to to try to increase the quality level to capture the eyeballs rather than you know any other means of capturing the eyeballs and i think that that has been a, a net positive for me as a viewer i think mm -hmm. i also think uh you know, John Landgraf, head of FX, coined the term peak TV a couple of years ago. Like, there's there's more TV than is sustainable. And yeah. uh, he's basically right. Like, there was more. And I think, like, we, we probably reached it. Maybe yeah. 2022 is the year of peak TV. Maybe this next year will be. But, like, whatever the case, 
I don't foresee there being this much TV being made uh, or this much streaming stuff being made moving forward. Well, it's we already have- it's already contracted. I mean, there's already all these original pro- programming departments have been shuttered at yeah. numerous places, and and that's a that's a real shame. To see. But we, but yeah, like we have basically lived in a land of plenty for the last few years. Like we've been like, yeah. oh, there's there's like five things on my list of things to watch. We really like had everything. We really did we, have we, it all, guys. And yeah. we had but it all. I, I think those days. It's not going to be like terrible moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think there's still going to be a lot of stuff. But I think like it's possible we reached peak TV, we reached maximum sure. amount of TV, and it's going to change moving forward. That's my guess. We'll see. Yeah, I, um, I don't think it's yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, you know, I don't. Like, I, I, don't yeah, I don't think so. I remember what, it was, what it was, was too pre- much. Like, the TV critics, people who yeah. watch TV for a living, are like, up, guys. I can't keep up. And it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, neither can we. So mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing that like yeah. there's not going to be as much TV out there. The um, golden yeah. age was like pre-peak TV. It was like pre-streaming too. It was like. 2000s and late 90s when like dvd box sets were happening like oh oh i can choose to binge this thing but it is not like it's not the thing that's just at a you know uh drop of a hat like i i don't just have to click a button to to consume all this stuff so there was a give and take there was like some friction involved and i do feel like friction is kind of the key because friction Mm. um so, so many of the things these companies have been doing is all about giving you a seamless user experience Seamless is the word I've heard from every single goddamn startup and technology company. And you know what? It's, it's not always great. It actually can can cheapen the overall experience and everything. So Yeah. Maybe anyway. uh, 2023 will be the year that physical media makes a comeback. I hope For so. Sure. I, it's hope al- so. I mean, it's already the, the kids are into it. You yeah, know, um, so. people uh, younger. I'm seeing stuff on TikTok and elsewhere, too, about younger folks being like CDs, guys. Let's get into CDs. You know, let's yeah. get into older <laughs> media. I'm like, OK. Yeah, I was listening to this. Um, I was listening to this uh, podcast about how like having the physical media is really important on TikTok because like whether it's a book or an album or something, people want to talk about it. They want to hold mm-hmm. something up physically yep. when they talk about yep. it. So anyway, that's right. It's a prop. It's, a, it's ultimately <laughs> yeah. a prop. Yeah. It's like, it's it's a it is like the tiny microphone. digital content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> you can, you, you can put yourself in front of a screenshot or something, but we have you know, to have digital, di- we have to have physical media, not to consume it, but to create digital media mm-hmm. about the physical media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, that is my story. The, yeah, I have ahead. one question for you, Dave. Yes. Do you think there is a chance that Netflix is acquired in 2023? I, I think it's possible. You know, mm-hmm. people have floated that. I, it's possible, but like, I think it's much more likely that um, like a weaker studio gets acquired. Um, I think Netflix is pretty powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when I say weaker studio, I'm referring to uh sony paramount or um warner brothers uh yeah warner brothers like i think like one of those is like a Leave far warner brothers alone it's <laughs> like a far... yeah exactly they've had such a terrible time this last couple of years but i think it's far more likely one of those gets acquired than netflix because i think netflix is still pretty big pretty dominant mm-hmm. um netflix so... may do the acquiring like i could yeah. see somebody giving 100%. them money and be like you wanna hundred percent let's go let's go be real old hollywood you totally, know and totally. yeah and and meanwhile, like Universal, um, Prime Video, there and Apple TV Plus, they're obviously all part of like much b- bigger like tech companies mm-hmm. that you know I, I don't think those are in danger of being afforded, they they but. can afford to do whatever like no. Apple TV Plus is just like this weird universe where Apple just has infinite money like they're not yeah. just relying on money from investors they are they're just taking that iPhone money <laughs> yeah. and putting they it right spend onto like TV twenty Apple million dollars on Coda you know so yeah. Apple is one of the few places that could acquire Netflix. Yeah, they want it. 100%, 100%. I don't think they will, but right. uh, I think it's far more likely one of those other studios gets acquired for the content, you know, but yes. we'll, right. see, we'll see. Anyway, um, that is my story of the year. 
Let's take a quick break. We'll talk about your stories of the year shortly. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Devinder Hardware, let's hear your story of the year. Well, you know what? My story is kind of related to your story because I think the thing we couldn't stop talking about this year is what the hell is happening with Warner Brothers Discovery? And this whole merger and the new CEO, uh, David Zaslav and everything, um, WTF WBD, basically, <laughs> is how I like to put it. Um, yeah, nicely done. Because like the, the Netflix lock thing, you know, I feel like business analysts and people were like talking about that, but that was on the business side. HBO Max is when like my shows are disappearing. <laughs> I don't what Westworld <laughs> was the biggest thing on TV. Um, there, there's a lot of like the consumer impact of what was happening from the Netflix stock decision. I think we were start, we start, we saw them first on HBO max and, um, post this murder, it's just like complete chaos, but also the chaos of a company like run by somebody who doesn't understand TV or entertainment, like the entertainment that HBO was typically known for. So for me, that's like the big thing. Um, it's, people it's gave the, the analogy of like this is mm-hmm. like if a McDonald's acquired a Michelin star restaurant and they think they know how to run the place now, basically. Right? Pr- pretty much. Like you it, know, it the, is the, kind the, of the like that. that the, pe- the guy who ran the studio that created Here Comes Honey Boo Boo uh, mm-hmm. acquired the studio that created The Sopranos and Six Feet Under. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's uh, they don't know what to do. And my, my thing is like, OK, mismanagement is one thing. But I think the the true horror of the streaming world is that these things just disappear. Right. There is no physical record of them like Netflix. I think Netflix has delisted some things it has had, you know, it's done licensing deals with. But the stuff it's produced, I don't has Netflix like taken away shows it's actually made. I don't know if that's happened. Yeah, that's yet. happened a couple of times. It's okay. happening. It's happening on Netflix, too. It's much less pronounced than on yes. HBO Max. You Not know, like the biggest shows they've ever had. I like, assume. I think um, what is that? Uh, is Lilyhammer still there? No. Yeah. yeah but so. Like. Uh, Remember uh, that story, uh, His House? I think we reviewed it on this oh, podcast. Yeah. But that was right. a licensing deal, I've, as as far as I've read. I don't know. Right, right. Um, but yes, yeah, some things have disappeared. His House, I do remember that story. But the thing about HBO Max is just like, I, I don't know what to think about this. Things just disappear. Episodes disappear. There was the Looney Tunes thing, too, that a whole bunch of seasons disappeared. And then I think it was like, oh, we're we're changing something on the formatting or the titles. And those episodes will actually be right back. But there's no com- communication about how this stuff is taken away. I'm definitely looking at it from the consumer side of like, I like these things. I like Station Eleven. We were so worried about like not being able to get access to that thing if HBO keeps doing what it's doing. And thank God, like, oh, th- there is a physical release. But I don't. I don't want to like pray to the media gods for his physical release. Like I want some sort of certainty that at least the things you make and the things we love will actually be there. And I think what's happening at HBO Max is like that's terrified me a lot because the Netflix stuff I could point to Netflix and be like, yeah, I know. 
I know, I know this, this was going to happen eventually. Like this, that just feels like a money thing. And there are going to be like certain outcomes from that. They're not going to produce as much. This is like visible things disappearing in front of your face. And to me, that's pretty terrifying in the media world. Well, it was crazy. The, the Looney Tunes things was crazy in particular mm-hmm. because their only statement when that happened was badee, 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 that's all folks. <laughs> Well, Devendra, you say, yeah, very nice show. You say that like the Netflix stuff is quote unquote just a money thing. The Warner Brothers, no, no, stuff is, it's it's all connected. It is it's, all connected the Warner Brothers thing. Is, this is what we notice. Yeah, the discovery. Yeah, you're right. From a user from a user perspective, yes. it's less pronounced on Netflix. But um, Warner Brothers Discovery has fifty billion dollars of debt, which is higher than I think its market capitalization is. Um, they're trying to cut costs and save money, however they can, to service that debt. Um, they're in a really tough spot. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. they're treating creators like crap, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that's, that to me is the big story that, you know, I, that's one slice yeah. of it is like stuff vanishing. And then kind of a different angle of it for me is like, um, uh, they are not communicating this to creators in a good way. They're not like saying like, Hey, by the way, we're pulling your, st-. there's no, people don't get emails. They just like learn from Twitter that it's been pulled off the server, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they're they, basically they like. Warner Brothers has historically mm -hmm. been a great studio that's very talent friendly. Yes. And they have over the course of the last few years between Project Popcorn where they put like Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong straight to streaming. And And this is pre-discovery and everything. Right, pre-discovery, correct. what they were doing. Between that and then like Chris Nolan leaving and Mm -hmm. now David Zaslav taking over and pulling stuff off of streaming without any warning, with no ceremony, um, they have really started to do damage to that brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, for from the creator's perspective, and yeah. I worry that the consequences of that will be felt for a long time to come. So yeah, I, the, yeah. the way I'm seeing it is like they are both gigantic ships out at sea, right? And they're taking on water. And Netflix is like, okay, uh, let, let's 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 like start getting this water out. Like let's like start to fix this problem somehow. And over at Warner Brothers Discovery, they're like. I'm gonna shoot this boat. I'm gonna shoot this part <laughs> of the boat. They're like, and maybe this will fix it. Overboard. Throw, throw the overboard. <laughs> we don't need the. What's an anchor for? Let's yeah. Mm-hmm. Just shooting things and hoping to fix it. And yeah. I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I mean, to be fair, yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery does have much more debt than Netflix does, but um, I think that uh, it's all gonna be solved next year, Devendra, or this year when uh-huh. Max launches the combined Discovery HBO Max service. For sure, that's just reminding really us of stuff. Cinemax, the one, <laughs> the the one premium service that everybody just thinks of as softcore porn. Mm-hmm. Like that's really mm-hmm. what you want to put your brand behind. Yeah, but I agree. Like David Zaslav taking over, like his reputation being tanked among creatives, Warner Brothers' reputation being tanked among creatives, um, stuff being pulled from Warner, creatives being treated terribly. Like the very state of our cultural heritage and art being in jeopardy. Uh, it's a big story. And that, that, <laughs> did, that did come to define 2022 as well. So that's Devendra's story is all the chaos at Warner Brothers. Jeff Kanata, what is your story of the year? I see now you guys took the big, you know, the big sophisticated one. That, that was ones. the assignment, Jeff. <laughs> and I, and I, what has fallen to me, what has fallen mm-hmm. to me is the responsibility yes. of bringing up something I don't even want to talk about mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And yet... I think when we look back on 2022, we will undoubtedly don't do this. Jeff. All see, <laughs> don't do this. The slap heard around the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's Will Smith. It's Will Smith <laughs> getting up out of the audience at the Academy Awards and smacking Chris Rock across the face. That's definitely something we're talking about still, right? It, yeah. I think it's a. I think it's a. 
Yeah. Indelible image and moment from the year in, in entertainment. And it will be, uh, you know, when I went to, uh, when I went to high school, uh, it, it, our yearbook had, you know, the pictures of all of us, you know, uh, your, your school picture, all the, all the clubs and activities. And then there was like three pages in the middle that were like the year in, in photos. And it was mm -hmm. all these, you know, AP photos, not advanced placement, but like Associated <laughs> Press. They were like, you know, the president being sworn in if it was a presidential year or, you know, what's the big things that happened. Mm -hmm. And I got to think that if they're still doing that with high school yearbooks, there's going to be Will Smith and there's going to be that picture of, of Chris Rock going, oh, after he just got hit. Because it's, it's, it's part of the fabric of our culture. Everyone had an opinion about it after it happened. We, look, we saw in that moment a lens through which we could filter every single cultural yeah. uh, problem or moment. Uh, there was uh, there was wealth inequality. There was race inequality. There was literally everything that afflicts our country somehow got fed through the filter of that one incident, mm -hmm. and it became mm -hmm. choosing sides and and defending people and angry about things and and uh, you know I identity politics and all the things that are now yeah reflected back to us in, in one single strange act that seemed to defy logic and reality to me I, I i agree with you this was like a huge moment in the year for me like that i'm still honestly processing and i'm not i don't say that in a in a like pearl clutching way i say that because um will smith arguably one of the last movie stars you know here we go again Yep. Yeah. Uh, if anyone can, is, man can open a movie. The man, yeah. Unless man can open a movie. Several of the movies he hasn't opened recently. Yeah. For the Correct. Because there's no more yeah. movie stars, according to what I'm saying. I mean, I remember when Hitch made. Just, um, just said he's one of the last movie stars. It, it, I, he he used to be. How about he formally, used to be? Anyway, formally uh, a movie yeah, star. Formally, a, formally one of the you know one of the last movie stars of which there are no now longer anymore. Which there are no dwarf. longer anymore. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So we yeah. need you to turn in your movie star card. Yeah. Um. The idea that, and he has never won Best Actor, you know, and 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 I spent like many years kind of starring in these prestige dramas that feel like they're, you know, between Emancipation and con uh, what was it, um, Concussion? Was that the name of the movie? Seven Pounds, um, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't Seven it? Pounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, and like so, uh, Collateral Beauty, like all these yeah. things mm -hmm. that felt like they were like trying to like get it a Best Actor Oscar, uh, Best Actor Oscar. Like he, it felt to me like Ali. he had been working mm -hmm. towards this award and this yeah. honor for his, many his years. dream his redemption like in culture like it's what probably what he's always dreamed of i, think I don't know i don't feel know about it. redemption because i felt like he was one of the best liked stars that has it's ever true. existed on this planet right? but also like he he was a kid on tv he was a singer right there there's a level of like reputability that he didn't really have and it always felt like he had a chip on his shoulder about that and like getting the oscars like i'm i'm an actor Hmm. Right. Take okay. me seriously. So, yeah, I don't I, I don't know that I agree with that formulation, but, you know, fair enough. I mean, but point being, like, this is something he's clearly worked towards yeah. for a long time. And he was literally minutes away from attaining it, literally minutes away from attaining it um, and then kind of let the mask slip for like a brief second and obviously has 
the, the slap has reverberated in many ways throughout the year. Like Emancipation, uh, this movie that was supposed to be a big, you know, awards movie this year. Uh, uh, it, it may impact that in some ways we don't know yet, but I agree that it is one of the indelible images from mm-hmm. the year and was a flashpoint in the culture, Jeff. So I was worried that Jeff, you were going to go on another avatar thing. I was like, don't, <laughs> don't, like, I've been proven correct. No, yeah. no, no. I, I, I'm loath to bring up the, the slap, but it, it, it's, it's hard to talk about this year in entertainment without mentioning it. I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up at the end of the year as this bizarre yet impactful event that that happened it is it is every single human being on earth it seems not only was aware of it but had an opinion about it indeed um well that is jeff canada's story of the year the slap there is one other story i just want to mention uh which is that movie theaters are not back (laughs) and i think (laughs) that a big part of that is because uh, they haven't had the product. Uh, remember, guys, like it, it was like an almost creepy experience this year making our top uh, or uh, summer movie wager list. Like, because mm-hmm. I remember we've made summer movie wager list for many years, and then you go down and you'd be like, ooh, like three big movies opening this weekend, and which one of them is going to be on the list? This year, we struggled to even put 10 <laughs> on the list, period, at all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a huge dearth of product, and these numbers just came out this last week. U.S. box office is down 34. Uh, percent It made U.S. box office made 7.4 billion dollars this year. It's down 34 percent, not from last year, not from 2021, not from 2020, but from 2019 levels. So pre-COVID, pre-COVID, it's down 34 um, percent. Now I'm hoping there's going to be. I, I, I believe there's going to be more movies out this year. Uh, and it's going to make a slight recovery, but you, yeah. you, you present that like it's more surprising that it's pre COVID. Yeah, I think that's, that's not surprising. That feels like it, I'm expecting a bigger percentage yes. from pre COVID yes. than from last year. If it's or, down yes, 30% yes. from last year, I'd be mm. really scared. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, for sure. I think it's more like, um, you know, like some people, including us may have said like movies are back, baby. Top Gun Maverick, $770 million. Avatar, the way of what, you know, like, and it's yeah. like, yes, th- there have been like some pockets. Those of movies success. are back. Yeah. 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 So, some pockets of success, but like overall the industry is really not in a great place yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it's particularly a problem for like, uh, mid budget dramas, you know, some of which may appear on this list uh, on the yeah. top tens, you know, like audiences yeah. just are not showing up for them. Which is, why, also, which is why we need to continue to root for streaming because that's where that content is going to live, at least in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And, if, mm-hmm. and if streaming is struggling, then there really is no home for that kind of content. So, that's kind of the rough thing. Yeah. You're, you're, you're saying like that, that pe- those audiences are never coming back into the theater. I don't think, movies, the, yeah, I think at this point, my, my view of it is I love that kind of content and there doesn't seem to be a path forward to get a $20 million drama, $30 million drama mm-hmm. into movie theaters in any kind of profitable way. Uh, but there are, is a home for that on a lot of these streaming services, as long as they stay strong. Or maybe well, a combination well, of limited releases plus streaming. Like I, I feel like decision-making yeah. is kind of a mess. Like we look at what happened to, to glass onion where the people wanted it. Everyone was talking about like what a great crowd experience this was. I loved seeing Glass Onion theaters, but uh, 
it's just a limited experience because Netflix got a Netflix. And I think it, it feels like calculation is going to change. Yeah. It's doing great for them on, yeah. on streaming. And so that's why I, I'm, maybe I'm Pollyanna. Maybe I'm looking for a mm-hmm. silver lining here, but I feel mm-hmm. like that's, for me, I just want to be able to see the movies. I know we all cherish mm-hmm. the in the theater experience, yeah. but as long as I can see the movie, if I could only have seen Glass Onion at home, like a lot of America or the world, mm-hmm. I still would love that movie and I'd still be grateful it was made. So, mm-hmm. but it's a know, different experience. It, like is, it is. Let me just say, I was grateful to be in a crowded ass theater yeah. in Glass Onion and feel the energy of the crowd like as the movie is taking you on a journey like when certain things happen midway through like i heard shrieks people were freaking out and people were just like on the wavelength of the movie and i don't i don't go to sports you know i don't go to sports (laughs) games i don't have many other crowd experiences that i do i don't have have we don't we don't know your kickballs and your and your stick balls or anything like that you know all we have movies is my they're my collective experience and to feel that energy of the crowd i watch so much stuff at home but you you can't get that at home like um, even if you have a group of friends like okay you get 50 friends over maybe you can recreate that but that's rare yeah i I mean this is the year, like last year, it's like, okay, a bunch of uh, awards movies tanked at the box office last year, but it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're still coming, there's Omicrons happening, like, we're still coming off of COVID, like, let's, you know, maybe th- things will be different in 2022. Well, this year we found out they're not going to be different, basically. Like, people are yeah, not what showing up. the box up. office compared to last year? Uh, I don't have it right off the top of my head. I'm sure, I, it's, hi- I'm sure it's higher. But I'm like, sure it's higher. But, but, but people are not turning out for movies like Tar. Or mm-hmm. just like they didn't turn out for movies like West Side Story last year. Like, yeah. they, they're just not turning out for these movies. And um, I mean, I, Jeff, I still think we got one year left to go on this. Like, maybe uh, if there's mm-hmm. more movies in theaters, like people will get back in the habit of coming back. And we might, I'm hoping we see an isolated hit for some of the, like one or two hits that might show there's still some life left in this. But if yeah. there's another in this year. this for mid range, mid budget movies. Yeah, for, you're exactly saying? right. If, if okay. there's another year where like every single one of these movies tanks. Uh, I fear that what you're saying may be right, that streaming may be the only mm-hmm. path forward for some of these these movies. You know? Well, I mean, so. uh, we, ha- we will talk about our 2023 favorites uh, toward the end of the show, but, you know, you look at, like, the bit next Martin Scorsese movie and the last Martin Scorsese movie, mm-hmm. where they live, you know? Yeah. Those are, those are typically what we're talking about, is, like, that big mid-range... Well, yeah, I mean, I think his movies are more expensive. That's why, like, he yeah. needs a, he needs a hundred yeah. plus million dollars to make like The Irishman, you know. So, and and streaming is the only place that's going to fund it right now. Like Paramount was like, we're not going to take a risk on that. But I, I agree mm-hmm. with you that these kind of prestige, buzzy dramas movies for that, adults, yeah, yeah, movies for adults. They're not like action movies. They're yeah. not IP driven movies. Um, it's continuing to vanish, and that's that's really a bummer. So anyway, um, box office still down. Um, <laughs> Movies for adults still doing badly, and hopefully 2023 will be better, but I don't feel much hope right now. Just to, so, yeah, just I mean, to summarize all of the stories that we've talked about, real bummers. Real, real bummers. bummers. <laughs> yeah, again, the world is kind of a big bummer right now. So Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, yeah. anyway, uh, let's put the bummers aside. Let's get to our top 10. We're going to take a quick break, uh, talk about a sponsor, and then we'll be back with our top 10 movies of 2022. All right, folks, let's get into our top 10 movies of 2022. Standard caveat supply, which is obviously uh, top 10s change over time. Um, 
my top 10 is constantly fluid. And so if I'm talking about my top 10 in a few weeks from now, it might be a different list than it is today. And, um, and I think that we've always talked about how like our top 10, we want it to not just be like the movies we like the most or the movies we watch the most, but like in some way, like it represents our year. Right. But also mm-hmm. this is an episode that's listened to more than most other episodes of the show. And so this is our opportunity to highlight movies for the audience that yeah. they might not have otherwise heard of or might not Partially, be. Partially it is like movies I want you to see. For exactly, sure. yeah. exactly. Um, I, I will share that, you know, and J- Jeff, uh, you you were talking about this in our lead up, our run up to this episode of how like, I, I'm going to say last year, making the list was difficult. Like it was uh, it just, it was such a weird freaking year last year. Like stuff came out, yeah. but kind of half came out, you know, like yeah. maybe it has the actual run, but it got canceled, you know, like I've yeah. seen a number of top, I was looking at other critics, top tens of 2022 and some of the movies that were on my top 10 of 2021 are on their list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's just, it was just a weird year where like some things got partial releases. Some things were released in five theaters for one weekend. And that was yeah. 2020, you know, it was just really weird year. Um, this year, what is undeniable is that a lot of great movies came out this year. Like I think yes. you were saying you had a hard time summing it down to 10. I had a hard time summing it down to so 10. So hard. It, yeah. I, I had like, I, I could have done a top 30. Yeah, I, exactly. Dude, yeah. I had so many movies yeah. that didn't make my, my top 10 that I was just like trying to figure out a way to stuff them in. And I looked at, I looked at our lists last year and I think if those movies that my top 10 of last year had come out this year. I don't know how many of them would have made yeah. my top 10. Maybe mm. not a single one of them would have made your top 10. <laughs> I mean, a couple yeah. certainly would have, but, <laughs> but you know, like I think that it, it was, a, mm-hmm. it was just a higher bar this year overall. And I think that yeah. speaks to kind of what we were just talking about, about the, the market itself attempting to come back. There's more stuff in theaters. There's more movies being, being put out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Movies got conventional releases, you know, like it was, it was nice to see again. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Any, anything else for the preamble or should we get into Any our last topic? words? Any last <laughs> words? Oh, man. I, I'm really excited because this is, I think this is going to, like, if I recall correctly, there was a lot of overlap last year. Am I remembering that correctly? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Um, No, well, I mean, all, we all had different number ones last year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was new. I, that I was predict new. that may, well, there may be some overlap there this year. Uh, I think there might as well, yeah. but yeah. we'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll but see. we all had a different number one last year, which I don't think has happened very, very often. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. good. And I will say, as I've said before, there is one thing, one big revelation I had about my top 10 this year okay. that I will reveal to you after the end. But All right. I, I thought All it was right. pretty fantastic. Yeah. What, one last thing I want to point out, um, which is that we're about to count down our top 10 from 10 to 1. Um, none of us have seen each other's lists. So, like, we don't know what it is. I, I, I'm going to guess that there's going to be less overlap this year than most years. Like, I just I just have a feeling, um, but we'll see. Uh, and we also do special that? we also do special categories. Uh, which we're going to do in the After Dark. Now, typically, the After Dark is only available to folks at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Um, thanks to all the folks that subscribe there. But um, because this is such a big episode, we are going to be releasing it for free. Uh, and we hope you'll consider subscribing at patreon.com slash filmpodcast and supporting this show, supporting what we do and keep us going throughout the year. Uh, but okay, so all, so there's going to be special categories like possibly honorable mentions, movies we didn't get, movies people they didn't get, Biggest disappointment, most anticipated movie of 2023, like a lot of stuff in We're the After Dark. We're also going to be so. talking about some of our favorite non-movie narratives in the After yes. Dark. So we'll talk about like favorite TV shows and other stuff, which I think is going to be a really fun discussion too. Okay. So look forward to that in the After Dark this week, which is typically only available at patreon.com slash film podcast, but this week will be available for everyone. Okay. 
Let's get into it. Let's start with Jeff Kanata. <laughs> Jeff, what was your number 10 movie of 2022? Well, typically I use my number 10 to uh, make a statement or, or fit something in. I, I, last mm. year it was Don't Look Up, if you recall, was my number 10 movie of the year. I know it's- uh, <laughs> We do use that one quote quite often. So right. We really did have everything. <laughs> we really yeah. did have everything, yeah. yeah. We did have everything. Um, this year, my number 10 movie- mm -hmm. Is Dan Trachtenberg's Prey. Nice. Mm -hmm. And there's no way this was not going to be on my list, but I also felt a little guilty uh, putting it any <laughs> higher than 10 because uh, this is one of my best friends taking a character that I grew up with that was part of my and, and his origin story of, of the love of movies and expanding on that character and that lore so much that it will forever change the franchise. It has left an indelible mark on that franchise. And that's, you know, it's my friend doing that. I'm, I'm proud of him and amazed by that. He knocked the movie out of the park. I think it is so much fun. And I cannot separate my enjoyment of the movie from my excitement for him and my joy at witnessing mm -hmm. his talent. But also, I don't want to. I don't want to separate those things, right? Mm -hmm. You're just it, human. It You're is just a part man. of what made yeah. that movie special for me. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I put it on my list because it is one of the best experiences that I had because of all those things. I, I, but that isn't to short shrift the actual movie itself. I think the movie stands on its own merits and is phenomenal, pulse pounding, thrilling, super well directed, super well acted, does something unique and original and it's short. It is the <laughs> shortest movie on my list. And it's proof that in a, in a year of exceedingly long films, you could still be lean and mean mm -hmm. and make something great. So sure. um, Prey is my number 10. It's I would also say notable for being like the best movie in that franchise in decades. Yes. Decades. Mm. Yes. Like franchises like that, you just leave for dead. You I mean, see, you cannot resurrect them. I would yeah. argue the best movie since the first one in that franchise. Sure. Actually, Dan, yes. Dan yeah. Trachtenberg made a better Predator movie than Shane Black did, which is yeah. pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, but Prey, Jeff's number 10. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Check it out. Great choice for number 10, Jeff. Devinder Hardware, what was your number 10 film of 2022? My number 10 film is Top Gun Maverick. And I want to go to the danger zone, guys. Sometimes you have to go to the danger zone. And I have to say, against all odds, this movie worked for me as a sequel, as an action movie. It's a testament to the power of action filmmaking, uh, practical effects, and let's face it, the the complete star power of Tom Cruise. Like, he is he's a major element of what makes this movie work. Um, it also feels like, it, when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, man, is the summer blockbuster back? Feels like we're back. Feels like it's coming back. It just feels like felt like a shift you know happening in cinema again and it just made me energized i didn't get to see it like multiple times in theaters like so many people did but oh man i saw it in the crowd and that crowd loved it and i loved that experience so yeah top gun maverick freaking freaking loved it that's why it's my number 10 great choice for number 10 yeah top gun maverick streaming right now on paramount plus you know you keep saying that dave and I, one of the things i was going to mention before we started and i forgot to is i think this year's, I don't know what's on your lists, but I would venture to guess, like mine, 
there is a bigger percentage of movies that you can go watch right now than ever before. In the comfort of your own home, you can watch more movies on my top 10 of the year Mm -hmm. in the moment that we're releasing this episode than ever before. Actually, my entire list, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's extraordinary. And uh, a big part of that is because the window between theatrical release and uh, and streaming release has whittled down to almost like nothing. Three weeks. So for it's some wild. Reason, uh, it's only longer window if it's like a huge hit movie like Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. which only hit Paramount Plus recently. Yeah, uh, recently. even though it came out in May. So uh, Spiel- yeah. Spielberg got three weeks with Fablements, basically. Like it was. <laughs> I don't even rough. know if it was that long, but yeah, it was yeah, probably it was really three, quick. It was, it was probably really around fast. three weeks. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Good point, Jeff. Good point. All right, my number ten movie of 2022 is Athena. Mm. Nice. Uh, Romain Gavras's movie Athena takes place in mostly long continuous shots with intricate choreography and just gorgeous compositions. Uh, but its subject matter is very serious. A 13-year-old boy has been murdered by law enforcement officers and Athena covers the aftermath of that death inside a housing complex. I didn't love the script, which I felt really drops the ball towards the end of the film, but that doesn't change the fact that this is some of the best, most bombastic, most incredible, uh, most bold and courageous filmmaking I've seen this year. Uh, and I'd also argue this movie has probably one of the best opening shots of any movie out of the year, if not the last few years. Just unbelievable work. Um, so just like it's a sheer act of filmmaking, mm-hmm. I have to respect it. Like it, whether or not I like the script or whether I like the themes or whatever, it's just like, dude, you just have to like pay homage to the fact that somebody accomplished this thing and it's mm-hmm. really, really impressive. So that's why Athena is my number 10 movie of 2022. Great pick, Dave. Great pick. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's get to number nines. Jeff, what is your number nine film of 2022? My number nine film is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Ooh. Wow. Stop! I am your guest! Gabriella ripped the bedspread off me this morning. Now you're sending me on like a wild goose chase! I'm sorry, but you can't quit acting. You can't! That's none of your business. Whether you like it or not, you have a gift. And that gift brings light and joy to an increasingly dark and broken world. And to turn your back on that gift is to turn your back on the entire human race. Now, you'll probably notice that this year's list for me, my list this year, that I put a lot of value on movies that are fun, that made me feel good. I think maybe I needed that this year and I'm not gonna apologize for it. I, I don't think there was any movie that made me laugh harder than this one. I love the meta nature of it, seeing Nicolas Cage take the piss out of himself, but also, You know, we talk about how 2022 was full of movies about the love of movies, the impact of movies, movies like Mm -hmm. The Fablemans and Babylon and Empire of Light. But this one is about that too, but it does it in a much less austere, much more self-effacing way. And I found that very charming. I saw this movie with my wife in the theater, which is a very rare occurrence these days. I Mm -hmm. almost... I can count on one I know, hand. I know how that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Since the birth of my son six years ago, I can count on one hand the amount of movies that we've seen in the theater sitting next to each other outside of our home. Uh, and 
we were both doubled over with laughter, guffawing at this movie, looking at each other with tears streaming down our face because we were laughing so hard. And that is one of my favorite memories of watching any movie in 2022. So I give this movie a lot of credit for that. I think it's super fun. I, th I had a blast with it. It's smart. It's clever. It's my number nine movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I had a great time with The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent as well. It's a really fun choice. It's nice to see Nicolas Cage can, yeah. can poke fun at himself. Um, and also, Jeff, I, you know, extremely minor spoiler for our follow-up episode, uh, but you did list this as one of your most anticipated films of this year. So, Oh, wow. Um, hey, great. Yeah, you, you, you called that you would like it. You called that future Jeff would like it. So nice job past Jeff. That's Jeff Kanata's number nine film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Devendra Harder, what is your number nine film of 2022? My number nine movie is Glass Onion. Miles is doing a murder mystery. Let's invite Benoit freaking Blanc. Oh, it's so good. I am mortified. I, I don't- Why? I, I've got the pre-definite detective in the world at my murder mystery party. That is so legit. Mr. Braun, I've learned through bitter experience that a, an anonymous invitation is not to be trifled with. Okay, look, come on. I'd love to have you visit me at my home. There, you've been invited. Well, You're an official guest now. It's perhaps the most fun I've had in theaters this year. And I just talked about that, actually. It's a brilliant murder mystery while also being like a genuinely insightful takedown of some of the worst people in our culture right now. And you know what? Maybe I'm just a sucker for Ryan Johnson movies, but I love the way he surprises us. Like he is a filmmaker who's clearly having fun and delight at what he's doing and at telling a story and, you know, delighting an audience. I just really appreciate that. So yeah, I didn't think um, I would like a sequel to Knives Out more than the first movie, but I genuinely do. And I can't wait for the next one. Like there, there were stories like he's already starting to write it. I hope this goes on forever. I hope this is his like more so than Star Wars or anything else. I hope like this is the thing people remember Ryan Johnson for. Glass Onion, by the way, the, the full title of Divinity, I believe, is Glass Onion and Knives Out Story or Knives Out Mystery. I That's think. not how it is in the movie. Mm. I don't believe but, Ryan Johnson likes the full title that much either. So. Do you think the third one is going to be a Knives Out mystery or will it be a Glass Onion mystery? Mm. I think it'll be a Knives Out mystery. They're just going to use Knives But I think you, Jeff, you very aptly said like it should be called a Benoit Blanc mystery, right? Yeah. Maybe it will. There That's are right. no rules. They could do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to have like Fast and Furious style titling, which is just so chaotic all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, okay. Well, that's a great choice for number nine. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery is streaming right now on Netflix. My number nine film of 2022 is Fire of Love. This is Katya, and this is Maurice. It's 1991, June 2nd. Tomorrow will be their last day. They will leave behind samples, words, hundreds of hours of footage. Thousands of photos. And a million questions. Wow. Fire of Love, streaming right now on Disney Plus, is about two volcanologists, Katya and Maurice Kraft, who spent decades studying volcanoes. This movie tells their love story, but also the story of their love of volcanoes. Um, the footage, uh, which mostly comes from their archives, is unbelievable. One of the things that attracted the crafts to volcanoes is the idea that next to a human or next to a volcano, a human is like completely insignificant. Not just like a physical human, but like 
in the time span of the universe, you know, like volcanoes have been around since the, the creation of life on earth and you're standing next to one and you're like a, you're like a blink of an eye compared to a volcano. And there's something really amazing about that, that you get to experience the enormity of time through volcanoes. Uh, and that's what this movie fire of love allows you to be able to vicariously do. You get to be there while they study these volcanoes really, really up close, way too da- close, dangerously, <laughs> dangerously up close. close, dangerously up close. Yeah. But, but they did it not just for kicks. They're not just like filming stuff for YouTube. They did it because they wanted to save lives. They did it because they wanted to understand how volcanoes work, to be able to warn people about how volcanoes work. And there's a quote from the movie that's really beautiful. It's very moving to me. I wanted to read it to you guys. Uh, the movie, by the way, is narrated by Miranda July, I believe. Um, Love her voice. And she says, quote, she, she- yeah. A, set of, a set of forces collide inside the planet throughout the enormity of geologic time to trigger one instant, an eruption that forever reshapes the Earth. And across humanity's two million years, two tiny humans are born in the same place at the same time, and they love the same thing. And that love moved us closer to the Earth, end quote. Just this Beautiful. idea that uh, because these two people found each other and loved each other, we understand volcanoes more because of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and potentially lives have been saved and certainly like lives have been enriched because of it. Uh, it feels like a miracle. And this is the f- miracle that fire of love, the documentary captures. And that's why it's my number nine film of the year. Yeah. I, I saw so, this as well and I absolutely loved it. And I just want to like, they, there is a turn in this movie where they are just academics. Like they just want to explore the stuff for the sake of learning it. And they see the impact of like what one volcano's eruption does on a population. You're like, oh, actually, we, we should probably be doing even more, you know, about this to help people. And I think that that's all fascinating, like seeing a scientist reckon with the power of their work and like the disconnect that academics typically have, I think, from the the regular world. I found that really fascinating, too. Yeah, uh, It's a great film. It's mm-hmm. on streaming on Disney Plus right now. I'd definitely watch it. Um, and it's fascinating. It's not even the only documentary about the crafts to come out in the last couple of mm-hmm. years. Um, Werner Herzog directed the documentary about them. I love this one because it's like, just is the footage is so beautiful. Just like seeing humans next to volcanoes. It's like just incredible. It's like mind blowing to see. It's all old footage shoots. Not like, you know, it is their ancient footage shot on 16 millimeter or something. It's still beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So that's fire of love. It's my number nine film of the year. Jeff Kanata. What's your number eight film of 2022? My number eight film of 2022 is The Batman. Ooh. We have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Matt Reeves making a Batman movie? Oh, man, that's going to be amazing, I said to myself. And you know what? I was right. Oh, my gosh. This is an uh, like a top three all-time Batman movie for me. And it is also one of the great deconstructed superhero movies. It's visually incredible. The take on the character is something we've never seen. It has a legitimately awesome mystery and cool detective work, really focuses on Batman as the world's greatest detective. I loved every second of this movie. I thought it was so different and interesting. Uh, the, the, the filmmaking, the camera work, the, it, it, I had a blast with the Batman. 
And I think somehow that movie got swallowed up in its early release in the year. And, and uh, maybe most people didn't love it as much as I do, but I just think this is the best Batman movie in, in a long time. And I, I loved it. I'm amazed this movie exists, you know, to be honest, like I've always loved Matt Reeves, but to have basically a super long, uh, very emo Batman movie that is, you know, more emo than Batman returns was. And I always loved that movie for kind of being that. So yeah. yeah. Totally agree with this choice, Jeff. It's great. Thanks. Uh, well, that's the Batman. I think it's streaming right now on HBO Max. It was a huge hit this year. It came out in March. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. There's a, there's a tendency to forget about stuff that came out early on in the year, you know, when you're making your year-end list. Glad you didn't forget yours from early on this year, Jeff. But the Batman is Jeff's number eight film of 2022. Devinder Hardwar, what is your number eight film of 2022? My number eight movie is The Banshees of Inisherin. I think this is one of the funniest movies of the year and also one of the most devastating. And for me, this is Martin McDonough's like most successful overall film because he was a director that I, I loved his early stuff. I've never seen any of his plays. I know like he he has like a very unique style, but I loved in Bruges. I loved even seven psychopaths, but you could kind of see how he was going down almost like a Tarantino esque road. And this movie is just like him kind of taking a step back and just like telling a very human story And, you know, it's an exploration of our anxieties as we get older and we think about our value to the world. But really, it's about the value of kindness and how, like, tragically, that's just impossible to keep. It's a really, like, I have so much fun watching this movie. I can't wait to watch it with my wife. But it is absolutely devastating. Like, the main takeaway of this is just, like, we are doomed to just lose kindness in some form, um, even from people we love. You know, so I love this movie, but I am still thinking about it, and I think it's definitely like one of the best of the year. This is my favorite movie that Martin McDonough has done since *In Bruges*, honestly. So I'm I'm a big fan of this movie as well. Um, I will reveal it did not make my top ten, but it like it's definitely barely missed it. Like it's definitely in consideration. I love this movie too. *The Banshees of Inisherin*. It's available right now on HBO Max. Okay. My number eight film of 2022 was All Quiet on the Western Front. Ooh, okay. uh, Edward uh, Berger's adaptation of the German novel of the same name takes some real creative liberties with the source material. The original book was about German soldiers' inability to adapt to civilian life after World War I. This new version on Netflix is less about that and more about the horrors of war more generally and how large the gulf is between the old men who give the orders and the young men who die for them. And I think in an era where a lot of people's exposure to war is going to be through the call of duty video games, basically uh, I think it's important to remember what the horrors of war truly are. Obviously this is a movie. It's not actually being there on the battlefield or anything like that. But uh, I will say after watching this movie, I was horrified. I was deeply rocked to my core. I was moved. Um, And I think it's a, it's a movie that's worth considering uh, given the tragedies that are taking place around the world today. Uh, I think it's just a, a great piece of filmmaking. It's all quiet on the Western front. It's streaming right now on Netflix. So Jeff, can I, did you ever finish watching the movie? I know you pieced out. after I a have while. Not. Was, <laughs> no, yeah. I intend to. And now that you've, especially since you've put it on your top 10 of the year, I, you know, it, it is uh, one of those ones you have to work yourself up for, but it, it watch, is yeah, one but, of the things you didn't mention is how incredible, incredible looks visual yeah, it's a it's, gorgeous movie it's it's yeah it's amazing work um i watched 
probably like 15 movies in the last week. Uh, just to, I just feel to prepare. that. Yeah. And, yeah. um, this was the only one that I watched that made it onto the list. So, wow. uh, seems uh, like you I mean, wasted a whole lot of time. Dave. <laughs> probably a more efficient way to do that. Yeah. First, <laughs> first of all, go screw yourself. Secondly, many of the movies like came really close and we'll talk about them in our honorable mentions. But, um, anyway, that is my number eight movie of 2022. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be back with more from our top 10 lists. All right. We are at Devendra's number, or sorry, Jeff's number seven. And Mm -hmm. um, I will say there has not been a single overlap yet of the nine movies. Keep it up. Pretty wild. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, All right. Jeff Kanata, what is your number seven film of 2022? My number seven film is Triangle of Sadness. Mm. Triangle of Sadness is a movie about wealth and power and beauty that somehow manages to be wickedly funny, insightful, unexpected, and really fun. I had no idea where this movie was headed. It continually surprised me, but it also felt inevitable at the end. I loved hanging out with these characters. I cackled with laughter. I also, you know, was left pondering uh, the world as it stands now, I, I thought it was, I thought this movie was fantastic. Triangle of Sadness, my number seven. It's a great choice. This is the first one I think that's not streaming on, like you can buy it and rent it, but I don't think you can actually, I don't think it's on a service right now. But yeah, it's available for video on demand. Uh, this is a great pick. Devinger, did you ever get around to watching Triangle of Sadness yet? I did not. Like, okay. it, it is among the pile of things I've had to watch. And it was just one thing that yeah, I never yeah. got this... to, but it's, I'm interested. Yeah, sure. yeah. Definitely check it out. If, Triangle of Sadness. It's a great pick, Jeff. It's, yeah. Thank you. And, and if anybody's listening and, and hasn't uh, doesn't know what it's about or is, it is, is intrigued by it, I would say the less you know before you go in, the better. Just watch it and you'll be taking for a ride. It'll be worth it. I completely agree with you on this one, Jeff. And... I would submit that even if you know what it's about, you're still going to be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's Triangle of Sadness. It is Jeff's number seven film of 2022. Devendra, what is your number seven film of 2022? Now we're going to get ready for the surprises, guys. My number seven movie is The Woman King. Ooh. The men who are soldiers have wives and children, but the Agogia cannot. Now is that fair? Were you this arrogant with your family? No wonder they gave you away. It is you who is arrogant. I am a general. I have earned it. You have earned nothing. I should put you out. Mm. I have watched soldiers die because they did not have discipline. Their easy life did not prepare them for... I did not have an easy life! I did not have an easy life. I think this is the closest we've had to an Akira Kurosawa movie in the past few decades. I think this movie, it's its a gorgeous epic. It has incredible action, um, super memorable characters. And I think it, it deserves love for finally bringing the story of the Agoje to the big screen. It's something I've read about. We've seen it on the small screen. Um, it was in Lovecraft Country for, for a bit, I believe. And this movie also proves, like, once again, Viola Davis... Just, just a king, like a king in my heart, at least. Like I, or I queen, recently, queen, I think is the technical term, but you know, whatever. You know, I mean, the movie, prefer. the movie would beg to differ. You know, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
that was the joke. Yeah. Um, I just rewatched this movie with my wife, and uh, she absolutely loved it as well. Like it, it, it is just beautiful to like see a movie. Um, telling a story like set in Africa and about like actual real life history that I think a lot of people just have not heard about. Like maybe the closest they'll get to it is, um, you know, Black Panther and uh, the the female warriors like there. Um, that is a reflection of what happened in the past. But I think this movie certainly takes its liberties with uh, with history and everything. But as an epic, as a sort of movie that we used to get back in the day, I think it is a brilliant throwback and fantastic. Yeah. It's a great choice, and Viola Davis is incredible in it. She deserves like Oscar love and awards love, and so on. For those, um, for the, her gets... arms alone, her She's arms, the, ar- the arms yeah. look amazing in this movie. It's mm-hmm. it's it's arms, future arms goals, basically. Great arms, is, great uh, great uh, yeah. flying weapons, <laughs> jumping with weapons, amazing. Yeah, that's Devendra's number seven. It's the Woman King. My number seven film of twenty twenty two is RRR. Uh, my biggest regret this year was not making it out to an in-person screening of RRR. You'll have uh, many chances. Yeah, like, apparently still, this, this is like an back. incredible yeah. theatrical experience. Everyone who's gone has said it's amazing. SS Rajamuli's action epic has everything. Spectacular over-the-top action. Uh, British people getting tor- tormented. Um, but most importantly, as we covered on this podcast, it's earnest. Uh, it's okay with being cheesy. It's okay with being heartfelt and fun. And in a year where people are really looking for hope and fun and just a wild ride, uh, it's a perfect film. So it was a great time. We all loved it. And uh, it's worth checking out. I wish the original Telugu language version was available on Netflix. Uh, Unfortunately, only a dub is on there. But it's still accessible to everyone. And uh, it's still a great time. So the movie's RRR. It's my number seven film of 2022. Great pick. Thank you. So we are 12 films in and no overlaps yet. Now, I suspect that's going to s- stop real soon, but uh, I just want to say, hey, hey, we yeah, got pretty cool. 12 movies in. Well, what a year. A lot of movies. Yeah, what a year. Yeah. 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 So much diversity in the picks. Okay, let's get going. Let's start. Let's probably just start getting some of these repeats here. <laughs> Jeff Kanata, what is your number six film of 2022? My number six film of 2022 is Women Talking. Hmm. The only important thing to establish is if we forgive the men so that we will be allowed to enter the gates of heaven. You can laugh all you like, Salome, but we will be forced to leave the colony if we don't forgive the men. How will Lord, when he arrives, find the women if we aren't in the colony? Jesus is able to return to life, live for thousands of years, and then drop down to earth from heaven to scoop up his supporters. Surely he'd also be able to locate a few women Let's who left their colony. Let's stay on track. All right, I'll stay on track. I cannot forgive them. I will never forgive them. This is a devastating emotional wallop of a movie. It's it's kind of like what Mass was for me last year. Mass yeah. made my list right it around the same. It was also around this point. I think you put yeah. Mass at like number five. Number last five year. was Mass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of where it feels like these movies live for me. Where they it's like come, they come out of nowhere and they just get right in the middle. of that Not list. sure I could repeat a view. Yeah, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's a rough, but man powerful performances uh i'm so glad i saw this movie the incredible some of the best actors working today um taking on a subject that is very relevant very topical not just not just relevant but vital this is a vital talk topic that needs to be talked about and wrestled with in great art and 
The movie really is what its title suggests. It's just women talking, but it feels like a freight train. I was a complete mess by the end of this movie and grateful for the experience. I think this movie should be seen by everybody. It is incredible. Women Talking by number six. It's a great film, Jeff. I, I saw Women Talking as well. I really, really liked it a lot. And yeah, I, I left with the same impression of like, these are some of the best actors alive. And, you know, you, uh, Sarah Pauly basically got a bunch of them all in this one movie and uh, they all acted their hearts out. And it's amazing to watch. It's obviously very thematically mm-hmm. resonant uh, with today's society as well. Like, it's it's about a story that doesn't take place. Um, well, actually, I won't I won't say when it takes place, yeah, but I'll say yeah. that I will say that um, uh, that the themes of the movie are still very relevant today uh, for for various reasons. And so, uh, I love the movie as well. It's a great pick, Jeff. So yeah, I wish uh, I, I wish I had a chance to see this. Like I couldn't make it out to the theater. It's one of the the first movie we've talked about that is theatrical only right now. Yeah. Yes, it is currently in limited release as we speak. But I'm sure, mm-hmm. literally by end of January, you'll probably be able to watch it at home. Um, but I, well, I would suggest if people get a chance, it's worth going to the theater for. It's worth being locked in a dark room with this movie mm-hmm. where you can't escape to your phone. You can't escape to other uh, other distractions because it really is people in a room talking about very difficult things. And I was so glad that I was in that room with them. Agreed. That's Women Talking. It's Jeff Kanata's number six film of 2022. Devendra Hardwar, what is your number six film of 2022? I feel like this is the number for just the devastating movie. So my number six movie is Till. They have a different set of rules for Negroes down there. Are you listening? Yes. You have to be extra careful with white people. You can't risk looking at them the wrong way. I know. Oh. Be small down there. I think it's an absolutely devastating film about Emmett Till's lynching. And uh, like so many of these, it seems all the more relevant today. And I think what makes it really unique is uh, Danielle Deadweiler's performance is Mammy Till, somebody whose perspective I don't think we ever really have gotten that much. Um, you know, I, I have not read many books about her experience, at least certainly not on film. So in that respect, like it is an incredible work of art about a woman who has lost her child and has taken that like devastating moment to force the world to confront what happened to him. And, you know, I, hey guys, I I live in Georgia and I feel like I, every day I see kind of the history of what happened here um, not too long ago. And it's a story of America. It's a story like we, we are still kind of reckoning with. Um, And I think this movie, you know, it's one of those things that a movie will not change somebody's mind, but I think telling the story and the way it's told in this film uh, Chinonia Chukwe's uh, directing is also incredible too. Like it's a very well-made and just sharply directed movie. Danielle Deadweiler is surely going to be one of those actors who is going to just get better and better over time. Like I, she has tremendous work ahead of her. So I cannot wait to see that. This movie is incredible. You will probably only ever see it once, but I hope you do. That's Till. It's the Vinger Hardware's number uh Sixth Six. film of 2022, and it is available on video on demand right now. Um, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It is yet. on video on demand. Yeah, yeah, so you can watch it. I watched it this week. Uh, I really uh, thought Daniel Detweiler was incredible to watch in this film, and uh, it's it's a movie that's worth checking out. A perspective that's worth checking out uh, for sure. Uh, great pick for your number six, Devendra. 
my number six film of 2022 and i gotta break our streak folks because even until this point there's been no repeats but here's the first repeat on the list my number six film of 2022 is prey hey we did it no we didn't do it what do you think left those tracks and skinned that snake and before i fell i saw lightning in the trees there's something else out there and if there is i'll get it we need to go back out far beyond the ridgeline no. Okay, well, I'll hunt alone if I have to. You can't. Do I need your permission, War Chief? I guess uh, you didn't have the qualms I had about putting it no, higher. No, I, I don't. I don't have the. You know, <laughs> no you're qualms. forcing me to say a statement that I have never <laughs> otherwise thought or said, which is I don't have Jeff Kanata's morals. <laughs> but and that's why I put Prey at number six. Every now and then, you, you have a movie that comes along where like someone goes out into the middle of nowhere to make a movie, right? George Miller going out into the middle of the desert to make Mad Max Fury Road. James Cameron creating a scale model of the Titanic and making Titanic. I mean, these are movies that seem quixotic and impossible, and they require unflinching vision in order to succeed. Uh, I would argue Prey is one such movie. Now, it's a much smaller scale than Mad Max or Titanic, but the idea that you could make a movie set hundreds of years ago, have a cast made up of almost entirely Native Americans, and make it into a kick-ass predator prequel that sounds like an awesome movie that would be really difficult to get made in today's theatrical and you know uh, entertainment environment and uh it was in fact both of those things but uh dan trachtenberg was able to do it uh this is a movie that took vision and resolve to make uh and it's also just a lot of fun you know it's just like a great fun movie um trachtenberg has shown now that he can play in the sandbox of widely revered uh, properties, like first the Cloverfield franchise, now the Predator franchise, and make something that feels fresh, bold, and original within those sandboxes. Um, it's obviously work that I admire greatly. The, order, the level of difficulty of what this movie was was extremely high, and he knocked it out of the park. So I'm very proud of our friend Dan Trachtenberg, um, and I'm also really amazed by this film. It's Prey. It's streaming right now on Hulu. So now I'm the asshole that put it at 10. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry, Jeff. I'm texting Dan tonight. I mean, yeah, I'm never going to hear never... the end of this. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is my number six film of, uh, of 2022. All right. We're in our top fives now. Jeff Kanata. Let's get to your number five film of 2022. I put a lot of uh, a lot of weight behind the top five, right? The, mm -hmm. We're in the top five now. Uh huh. I'm I mean, just saying. Yeah, it feels feels pretty arbitrary that it's like the five that you you know. Well, it's, it... I, I, I will agree with you that like from I'll say like my number eight, nine, and ten choice are like much looser. Like any those movies could have been anything. Like in my top twenty or thirty, you know, like uh, th those are like interchangeable. But I guess for you, it's like six through ten and. Five is when it starts to get real serious, right? I wouldn't agree with any of what you just said, but <laughs> let I'm me just put saying, words in your mouth. Five, no, no, I, I was talking about my perspective. I was yeah, talking no, about I agree. For and me. then you said, what well, it must <laughs> okay, be for yeah. me. And I'm saying, you, I totally yeah. agree with that. No, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying, we're in the top five. It's a big deal. This is like, yeah. the, mm -hmm. you know, my other podcast, I only do five. Yes. Very important. <laughs> All right, here we go. Number five of 2022. 
is vengeance. Wow. <laughs> yep. Did not expect to see that coming. Yep. Yeah. Wow. You're going to love Whataburger, Ben. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> what makes it the best? Wherever you are, there's a Whataburger. Yeah, it's always right there. Okay, and then when you get there, what do you like about it? What do you get? Yeah. Whatever you want. You could order whatever you want, Ben. Right, but there are a lot of places like that. So let's say <clears throat> there's a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Sonic, and a Whataburger all lined up. Which one do you go to? Water Whataburger! Right, right, why? Because, because it's, it's right, right there! there. Yes. Oh my God, okay. I know that I stand alone here. I don't even think you guys, I don't know if either of you even watched this movie, but I, I started it. I need to finish it at some point. <laughs> this feels to me like a great time capsule movie for this year. It speaks to our time in what I consider to be a very smart and interesting way. Uh, it's about the two Americas that exist within this country. And it seems to strive for some sort of understanding and empathy for and between those two Americas. Uh, and I think, I think this movie is really good. It, it touched me. It, I, 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 it made me cry. It made me emotional. It made me laugh. I loved it. And it, so few people are talking about it. I hope more people check it out. And I hope BJ Novak makes many more movies. I really enjoyed Vengeance. That's Jeff's number five. It's Vengeance. I believe it's streaming right now on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, this is the first kind of upset, I would say, of the list. Like, I, know you guys, I knew you guys were not going to... Uh, didn't, didn't I can't judge the movie. I yeah, cannot I can't, judge, can't the, movie, judge so. the movie. But it's just like, yeah. you know, let, let me put it this way. I spent a lot of time looking at top 10 lists from other people. Yeah. Because yes, yes. I like highlight know... prioritizing yeah. things. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I'm like, yeah, if it's on there, if it's on AO right. Scott's list, maybe, you know, <laughs> and I did not see Vengeance on any top 10 Definitely list. Definitely not on AO first... Scott's list. That's correct. <laughs> I don't think any what of my movies know? are what on AO Scott's know? list. Okay. He doesn't know anything. I don't think that's true. But anyway, okay. Um, uh, I, uh, you said it before we started. Part of what these lists are for, in my opinion, is to show a spotlight on what isn't on everybody else's lists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. So I'm I don't want to just, not, I don't want to be the echo chamber. I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know what? A.O. Scott's right. Everybody no need to listen to the film cast. Just go read A.O. Scott's list. Like Dave I'm not does. Impuning. I'm and not just impuning copy them. it down. Just word for word. What A.O. <laughs> Scott writes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to get away. Just get away. A.O. Scott free. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't trying to impugn Jeff. Wasn't trying to impugn. I think you were. I'm just saying, hey, I'm just, hey, you're, you're noting the top five. I'm saying, hey, this is the first big upset in the list. Yeah. In my opinion. I love the movie and I'm not going to apologize for it. Nor, nor do I expect you to. Okay. That's (laughs) Jeff's number five movie of the year. It's Vengeance. And I, again, I think it's streaming on Peacock. Okay. Devendra Hardwar, what is your number five film of 2022? My number five movie is RRR. Mm. So we're finally crossing over. You know what, guys? I am. So glad there's an Indian movie that's really taken off in America that's not directed by Danny Boyle. I think that's pretty great. I think RRR is everything I go to the theaters for. Um, incredible action. It's a tale of love. This time it's brotherly love. And there's plenty of betrayal in there too. It's open-hearted in a way we rarely see, like you've been saying, Dave. And I think it's ridiculous in all the right ways. Like it is just, it's a good time. It's a good crowd experience. And I'm, I feel like we all needed it this year. So to see... 
it take off in the way it did to see like American audiences certainly um, kind of latch onto it. Uh, and also to see like actual, you know, uh, South Asian people uh, just really having a ball in theaters in America around this movie, too, I think is uh, is fantastic. So I-, I love everything about this movie. I cannot wait to show it to everyone. Um, I do I do kind of bring up like, have you heard the gospel of RRR to to so many people these days? Um, I love this movie. And that's why it's my number five. It's a great pick, Devendra. Uh, RRR. And again, it's streaming on Netflix. My number five film of 2022 is Babylon. Wow. Okay. Next time, try softer, okay? But why, my darling Pierre? Why? Well, well, hey, move that microphone 45 degrees, okay? That one, neutral, okay? No, 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 no. Hey, amigo, it's not Manuel, it's Manny. Manny Torres, okay? Yeah. Okay, okay, vamos, vamos, ya, 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 vamos. Let's roll, people. Let's go. Take two. So, <laughs> I've talked a lot about filmmakers this year experiencing anxiety about the state of the industry and how we've seen uh-huh. it through various movies. Spielberg's The Fablemans, Sam Mendes' Empire of Light, and to a much lesser extent, Inaritu's uh, Bardo. Out of all of those movies, <laughs> this is my favorite. <laughs> this the is one a that movie. Everyone seems to hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that felt alive uh this is you know a a lot of his movies damien chazelle's movies have wanted to capture the irresistibility of show business how intoxicating it can be how damaged it can be but how damaging it can be but also how wonderful and serendipitous it can feel and this movie has all the emotions that you could possibly want in a movie about show business the triumphs the tragedies um the golden defecation the defecation (laughs) Um, the vomiting, you know, like every, every, every bodily fluid, every bodily function, every bodily emotion that you could want is encased within this movie, Babylon, that's currently not doing very well in theaters right now, but is nonetheless great. Um, so I think it's a wild ride. It's a great time. I loved it. Uh, and that's why it's my number five movie of the year. I will tell you, Dave, this is the movie that I could not Mm. find a place for on my list. Mm. I tried and tried. I wanted to. I wanted to. It just didn't. Man, if it if it was like thirty minutes shorter, and Mm -hmm. not not because it was too long. Like I was, I was in. It just it peters out. I think, Mm -hmm. and it it peters out. Yeah, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. But uh, I talking about movies, by the way, that popped up on other people's top ten lists. Don't think uh A.O. Scott was not a fan. Really as much, Dave. So don't give Dave, don't give Jeff any crap. I wasn't yeah, I was yeah. not trying to give him crap, okay? I'm just saying I, I just wanted to note just, the moment, okay? All right. That's all I was Leave Jeff to. alone, Dave. <laughs> I will say what what you said about um oh, what was it? Um one of your movies down at the nine or nine or ten about it being uh Athena? Yes, Athena. Yes. What you said about Mm -hmm. Athena, about like, you just sort of have to be in awe of the filmmaking, the audacity of the filmmaking. I apply that to Babylon as well. I think that is Mm -hmm. the the first like hour and a half of that movie, even to two hours of that movie is you just have to be in awe of it. It's insane. And I can't rewatch it. Yeah, it's so I definitely I will. I will not. I will not pull a Dave Chen and shame you for your pick, Dave. I instead will <laughs> I was, I respect it and say, you know what? I I really think that I I, yeah. I very fact, much. In fact, it's a brave move. It's a brave move because this movie currently sits rotten 
on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm very brave. You know, Jeff yeah. Jeff likes to like amp up the emotion and the stakes of his spot. I'm just trying to take a lesson from Jeff Kanata. But hey, F me, right? F me for trying to like do what Jeff Kanata has tried to teach me to do. Okay, sorry, my bad. F me. Um, throwing Jeff me. under the bus and then pulling yes, him out. Okay. All right. Let's get to our number four movies. Yes. Jeff Kanata, what was your number four film of 2022? My number four film of 2022 is RRR. Whoa. The nice. highest of all of us. That's right, nice. baby. Do you know? Desi Notch? What's Desi Notch? Belly Jesse Dhuludake Sing Uthake Tum Bhi Nacho Baje Jamke Taal Dhol Beta Raju Udke Nacho Hero Se Bhi Tez Koi Kar Sake Jo Bedi Nacho Asta Bal Me Ghole Jaisa Paak Doro Chhol Nacho Vitti Jota Rotu Mota Mircha Khaake Aise Nacho Haja Chore Haja Gore Haja Chore Nacho 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 Vir Nacho I love this movie! As you guys have already enumerated, I'm just going to reiterate everything you already said. It's exuberant. It's fun. It's unabashedly over the top. It keeps outdoing itself over and over and over. It's a movie that is always on 11. The action is on 11. The dancing is on 11. The friendships and love affairs are on 11. It's a total blast from start to finish. It's a movie that put a smile on my face for three hours. Like my co-hosts, I loved RRR. In fact, evidently, numerically, I liked it more than them. Mm -hmm. Wow. I guess you're a better person, and I'm better friends with Dan Trachtenberg. You got me beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but, uh, we, it's quantifiable now. I think this is the first film that has been on all three of our lists so far. Yeah. There we um, go. Yep. But much yeah. deserved. Yeah, much, much deserved. deserved. That's RRR, Jeff Kanata's number four film of 2022. Devinder Hardware, what was your number four film of 2022? My number four movie is Tar. Wow. Tar. There's a lot working against Tar for me, guys. But I think Kate Blanchett's performance and um, the just incredibly sharp filmmaking made it absolutely irresistible. It's about the downfall of a monster, but also how that monster lies to herself and kind of constructs this reality around herself. And I found that all utterly fascinating. I think many people also... A lot of people have said, like, this is basically a ghost story, like in a, in a very literal way. It is actually set up to be a ghost story there. There are ghosts in this movie. But you know what? Even if you don't see it directly, I think it's as haunting as a movie like The Shining for me. Like, this feels like a genuine horror movie mm -hmm. on so many levels. And I absolutely adored it. It's a great pick. I freaking love this movie. It's, it's so The Avengers number four. It's Tar. Yeah. It's available right now in video on demand. The correct name is Tar RR. <laughs> Tar RR. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar RR is my understanding is what it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, my number four film can actually be best summed up in a ditty. A ditty? A yeah. ditty. Here it is. I'm gonna hit play in three, two, one. This is where it should be. <laughs> Not gonna make more than number eight money. This is where wow. it is going wow. to be. I just feel like you get you owe Jeff an apology at this point. 
you just, you literally just tried to make a case that you weren't throwing me under the bus. Oh, no, that, that was temporary. You I'm the plane temporary. Now. I mean, I have, so, first of all, for those who don't know what that was, that was a clip from this year's summer movie, or 2022 summer movie wager, where Jeff put Top Gun Maverick at number eight and sang a song mockingly about how yeah. It would not be higher than number eight. Could not have been more uh, wrong. Could not. I just want to say, wrong. I want to say, um, my my wife and I will often sing that song to each other in the house when referring to Top Gun Maverick <laughs> stuff, related stuff. Well, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> so thanks for uh, thanks for giving that to us. Jeff. Really appreciate that. Anyway, I, you know my, what? I didn't know that mocking me was a family affair in the same household. <laughs> And I guess it's, it is. It's less mockery and more, you know, we're laughing near We're not laughing at you. We're laughing no, near you. Not even near it's me. It's only the sound that occurs <laughs> when uh, Dave flushes his toilets. Like, it also plays then, you know? like You know how, like, in Japan, they have those, like, speakers on the mm-hmm, wall in bathrooms? Mm-hmm. It's basically, like, oh, we're playing that sound right now all the time. Yeah. Um. Anyway, my number four, by the way, for those who couldn't figure it out, is Top Gun Maverick. Phoenix, Bob, punch out! Punch out! Warning lights everywhere! Hydraulic failure! Light control! I can't control it! We're going down, Phoenix! We're going in! We're going in! You can't save it! Eject! 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 Uh, is this, this the movie is... that you saw the most times this year? I saw it in three times in theaters. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely up there. Uh, this is probably one of the most, or uh, like, a, in my opinion, a perfect piece of action entertainment everything about it is iconic mm-hmm. the music is iconic the action sequences are iconic miles teller's mustache is iconic jennifer Connolly is iconic but as much as i enjoyed the movie just as like a, a genre piece of entertainment as a great legacy sequel or reboot to the franchise what i really loved it uh for is that it serves as a metaphor for tom cruise's career here's a guy who's continued to thrive in an era of superhero and IP-driven blockbusters. And yes, I know Top Gun's a IP-driven because it's a sequel, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like it's different, right? It's aging IP. Different. <laughs> vintage. Vintage. That vintage top shelf yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, and yes, there's a ton of CG in movies like Top Gun. But Tom Cruise knows that at the end of the day, with all the CG-driven action extravaganzas, we as an audience want to see something real. And sometimes. That something real is a billionaire Scientologist running really fast and learning how to fly jets, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we get in Top Gun Maverick. So it's, it's so much fun. It's such a great time at the movies and also just watching it at home. Uh, and there's so many thrilling moments to it. I, lo- I love this movie. It's really great. So. It's a great movie. Oh. There's no, no one's arguing. It was number 10 on DaVinci's list. It's a great movie. It is weird to me that... The biggest reason you like it is because it's a metaphor for Tom Cruise's career. That is a little uh, weird. It's um, because uh, putting aside Tom Cruise's personal, (laughs) putting aside Tom Cruise's like, you know, out like extracurricular activities and how weird he is as a person and the dubious causes he's involved with. Like this is a guy who's basically raging against the dying of movies in my opinion. No, I get that. Yeah. But you are and so that, that, I, rarely I, able to set aside other people's whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me, David Chen, I am. Yes, you are so rarely yes. able to set aside mm-hmm. other people's, um, you know, negative, ne- yeah, negative <laughs> qualities, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. especially when they are so 
especially when they're co-hosts on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I do have several human rights violations. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I, uh, maybe it's because I personally feel very nostalgic for mm. this dying era of movies that we're in, like the decline yeah. of movies that we're living in right now. We've been hosting this podcast for like almost 15 years now, you know? And, um, yeah, during that time, we've seen, like, honestly, the state of popular movies decline, in my opinion, pretty dramatically. Um, but here's a guy who, okay, I'm not saying Top Gun Maverick is high entertainment, although it might get nominated for Best Picture. Who knows? It but will. Like, it will. But, um, yeah. Mark my words. But I, I, I appreciate the spirit of wanting to show us something real. Like, the, that John Hammond speech in Jurassic Park. Like, <laughs> I wanted to show them something real, something they could see and touch. Um, and obviously it went great for him in that movie. So <laughs> he never anyway. did anything wrong. Oh man, they let Tom Cruise out of the park. <laughs> what are we gonna do? He runs just as fast as that T-Rex. Must go faster, <laughs> Tom. Top Gun Maverick, it's my number four movie of the year. All right, folks. Here we are, guys. Top Get, three. Down to it. It is getting real now. Okay. Jeff Kanata, what was your number three film of 2022? My number three film of 2022 is. The Banshees of Inisherin. Mm. Nice. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. And if I've said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was. And I'll say sorry for that too, Colin. With all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. I just don't like you no more. I believe it was Divinity number eight, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, I love this movie. The simplest of premises, the smallest of stakes, yet it's one of the most profound movies of the year. It's a rumination on the nature of friendship and loneliness, as well as the importance of art and our brief window of time on this planet. It is not much much more than just a couple of guys and a pub, and yet it encompasses some of the biggest questions of life. It's a movie that I'll be thinking about forever. It's beautiful and poetic and simple and funny. And if you're keeping count, this is the third movie on my list that is about the friendship between two men. <laughs> nice. It was a good year for friendship between men. What was the other one, Jeff? Uh, there was RRR, our, of course, and yeah. uh, unbearable, unbearable weight, weight. With massive yeah. talent. Yeah. yeah, sort of Top Gun too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not Top that's Top not on my list, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Banshees of Inisherin is my number three. Streaming right now on HBO Max. Great choice, Jeff. Love that movie. Devendra Hardware, your number three film of 2022. My number three movie is Decision to Leave. I think Park Chan Wook is my favorite working filmmaker. Like I say that often. And every time I see his movies, I'm like, God damn, this guy can make a movie. Um, this is an engrossing detective story. It's an enigmatic love story. It's a compelling character study. It's all of these things um, all told with a filmmaker who just looks like he's having a ton of fun. Just every scene, every setup of this movie, go back and you know, go check out that like uh, special effects behind the scenes reel of like how they did some of these shots. He is just having a ton of fun here. And um, I love being in the hands of a confident filmmaker. 
I feel like I always feel that with Park Chan-wook movies, but especially in this one, it's like he's he's basically one upping Hitchcock at the same time um, as as like he is trying to like chart into something new with a lot of his shots and like a lot of his techniques. So I just I really enjoyed watching this movie. I cannot wait to rewatch this with my wife and with other people. But just as a technical exercise, I look yeah. at this movie and I'm like, man, I this is incredible. And th- this is incredible in the way like I like Athena quite a bit. That's going to be in my honorable mentions. But this is just like quietly like, how did you how did you get that shot? Like, how how, how are these yeah. people in the city? Like, how are these things working? Um, I just love it. Love decision to leave. And I hope everybody checks it out. I think it's a great pick, Devendra. I really liked it as well. Um, it's not in my top 10. It is in my honorable mentions. So we kind of swapped places there with the Athena decision to leave. But uh, it's a great pick. I'm really glad it's in at least one of our top tens. It's, uh, and it is, yeah. It, as you said, it is technically incredible. That it, just the the vision to put those shots, to, to tell the story with those shots, amazing. That's Devendra's number three. My number three film of 2022 is Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> hmm. The most powerful single force in the world today is man's eternal desire to be free and independent. Kennedy. Okay. Freedom in capitalist society always remains about the same as it was in ancient Greece. Freedom for slave owners. I know. Vladimir Lenin. School. Ah. <laughs> Russian capitalist and an American <laughs> communist. Oh. On a $250 million luxury yacht. I think we as a society are in the midst of experiencing uh, a bunch of anxiety and and a bit of a reckoning around class. I mean, it's been a topic of several movies even this year. I'm specifically thinking of The Menu and Glass Onion. Mm -hmm. And I think the pandemic really amplified these ideas. Uh, According to Forbes magazine, this article from a year ago, the 400 richest Americans added $4.5 trillion to their wealth this year, which is a 40% rise. Meanwhile, poor people obviously suffered horribly during the pandemic and dying and getting sick in large numbers. So if you think about it, society arbitrarily hands out these pieces of paper to some people and not to others. Most of the time, by the way, it's not even pieces of paper. It's like uh, lines of code in a, in a, in a bank computer, mm-hmm. right? And we treat people with more paper differently than we treat people with less paper. We treat people with like different lines of code in a computer better than we treat people with other codes. Uh, we treat uh, people with, with families who've been around longer and who may have been up to some shit hundreds of years ago, you know? Yeah, better mm. than we treat, uh, you know, other yeah. people. And this is the absurdity that I think Triangle of Sadness tries to illustrate. It takes this idea to its logical extreme and the results are hilarious. They're cringy. They're painful to watch. But this is also a movie that kept surprising me. Whenever I thought, oh, this is where the movie, this is the movie we're watching. This is where the movie's going to end up. Uh, it kept one-upping itself all the way to the end. And I loved that about this film. It was such a delight to watch. Uh, it's relevant to what we're dealing with in our society today. It was a great time. Uh, I loved it. It's a triangle of sadness. It's my number three. It's available right now on Video On Demand. Terrible title, unfortunately. I think it's... It- off-putting to most because you expect it's going to be this weepy thing yeah. that it is not totally, totally. but it is uh <laughs> it is a it is a great time and again i will reiterate go in blind it's a blast <laughs> indeed uh that is my number three film of 2022 all right here we go 
Jeff Kanata, what's your number two film of 2022? Number two. Wasn't easy. Wasn't easy, guys. Mm. Number two. Avatar The Way of Water. Wow. So what is it? I feel her, Dad. Feel who? Awa. I hear her breathing. I hear her heartbeat. She's so close. She's just there. I, I am. Okay. I am I'm stunned. Shocked. I am stunned that this is not number one. Now I'm like, yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, uh, I have all not these easy. thoughts running through my head about what number one is. It was know, but, was not okay. easy. This was not okay. easy for me yeah. to put it number two. Incredible! Incredible! Everybody knows how I feel about this. So- yes. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, a movie that I have been anticipating for over a decade that I have pinned so much of my professional reputation on, that I've believed in and dreamed about, somehow that movie actually exceeded my wildest expectations. It it delivers the kind of pure, heartfelt emotion that I love in movies alongside the best action sequences put on film this year, in my opinion, which is saying something with movies like RRR and Athena and, and so many others. It is the grandest kind of filmmaking. It is a movie that I will want to revisit on the biggest screen possible as many times as I am able. It feels special and it feels impossible and it does not feel cynical. And I know this is a polarizing movie for many people that don't like this franchise don't like don't like what this movie says and you know i i believe me i've gotten plenty of tweets and hate mail about it for me i love this movie i'm so glad it's doing well i can't wait to revisit pandora over and over again my number 2 movie of the year avatar the way of water i i i'm i'm legitimately shook right now because I, the, the I'm actually fairly Jeff, certain we're all going to align our top. I, I, I'm now. like, okay, yeah. do we all yeah. have the same number one movie? Because if so, yeah. that'd be amazing, but maybe I not. Think we do. I don't want, yeah. I dare not hope it. I dare <laughs> not hope it. But also like that Jeff would put this at number two is like mm-hmm. astonishing to me. It was you not know? easy. It's just, it was not it's easy. It's just like, wow. Okay. Because it, you guys, it, there's it, no it, ties. It reorients right? my sense of the world. Like, like what I, we are living in a post Jeff at Avatar, you know, putting Avatar the way of water at number two world right now for me i'm like <laughs> i need to like relook look at the world in a different way now okay but thank you jeff um for the, whatever number one me <laughs> one must be amazing is kind of my reaction to that um devinder harder what's your number two film of 2022 oh you guys will never guess this <laughs> my number two movie of 2022 is nope <gasps> what did you see Hmm? That's big. How big? Big. What it look like? I don't know. It was fast. Too fast. Too quiet to be a plane. OJ. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Wow. People thought 
people thought us was a bit of a step back for Jordan Peele. And I say no. (laughs) Say I love that movie because it was weird. It took so many chances. Jordan Peele went from having like a straight out hit, you know, like his debut hit um, where everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to see like what else he would do. He took that blank check and just like ran with it with us. And I think Nope kind of continues that trend. And I can't just help but love Jordan Peele for for doing this. Like, I, I feel like if it was me, like if I did something that got me to the point where here's, you know, uh, close to $100 million to make the, the movie of your dreams or something, I'm going to get weird. Like you gave me the money. You're not going to take it back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go weird. And I think like so many movies this year, um, this one is also about the reasons we go to movies. It's, it's about the love of spectacle and the love of a big screen experience. But I think also like Babylon, it also reflects on the cost of that spectacle in ways that are, you know, elliptical and, and a bit enigmatic, but in ways that I have not stopped thinking about since I've seen this movie. I've rewatched it at home. It doesn't hit quite as hard at home because like you, you kind of need the big screen, but oh man, that big screen experience sure was something. And uh, it just, yeah, I, I love that Jordan Peele is just like, he's not, he's not selling out. He is not, he is not taking it easy on the audience. He's not like, making easy awards movies or anything he is being weird and using all of his clout to be weird and i really appreciate that it's definitely out there it's one i've seen on a lot of top 10 lists as well divindra i think it's a great pick divindra's number two pick is nope very surprising to me that was that's yeah good movie good movie all right my number two film is tar wow Time is, is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. See, I start the clock. Now, my left hand, it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means that time stops. Now, the illusion is that like you, I'm responding to the orchestra in real right. time, making right. the decision about the right moment to restart the thing or reset it or throw time out the window altogether. The reality is that right from the very beginning, I know precisely what time really? it is and the exact moment that you and I will arrive at our destination together. Tar is a movie about a conductor, but it's also a movie about the life of an egocentric talent, how they act, how they perceive their own actions. That's what makes it fascinating. But the movie also holds up a mirror to us. What do we as a society allow talented people to get away with? What compromises do we make in the pursuit of brilliance? Uh, And that part I find equally fascinating. Kate Blanchett obviously puts in the performance of a lifetime, but it's also the movie's direction, which often consists of static shots that let actors play out the dynamic between them, all while they're framed by this gorgeous concert architecture. that's also really, really impressive. I mean, on that framing, you know, there's this idea that there's this edifice of formality and respectability that's hiding something dark and more sinister within. And I think that comes out in many, many of the scenes of this movie. I just think it's brilliant. It's a movie that you can dissect and analyze for a long time to come. People will be talking about this movie five, 10 years from now and like going frame by frame and trying to figure out what its ending means and all this stuff like that. Um, it's one of those movies that really rewards deep dives. I really liked it a lot. Um, and that's why Tar is my number two film of 2022. Wow. 
I know it spoke to you in a lot of ways because of the music and how much you've studied music in your life. It's that's that's wonderful. Well, folks, we've reached number one. Holy moly! Here we are. Oh yeah, it's happening. And I'm really. We should curious. just blurt it out at the same time. No, no, no. I, I feel here, like that would be the thing, fun. Here's the thing. I, yeah. Here's the thing. I feel like. Uh huh. Here, I would normally do that, <laughs> but I feel like we each have something valuable sure, to add sure, sure, sure. about our thoughts on this movie so i want to i would actually usually like when we did like mad max we're all like yes yeah yeah, yeah. but i want to go one by one i want to go one by one this time so jeff let's start with you all right jeff canada jeff canada what is your number one film of 2022 my number one film of 2022 is black adam there's no one on this planet that can stop me no i'm kidding i'm joking <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> really shifted the DC hurtful. universe. It really it. shifted the power structure in the DC. Yeah. That was hurtful. Just that was, All right. That hurt, that hurt my chest. Just <laughs> my number one film. Number one of 2022 is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. Wow. I'm not your husband, and he's not the one you know. I'm another version of him from another life path, another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. No time to help you. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world and has begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses. I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. And... I'm not sure I can add more than what you guys are going to say. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think it's on our list, Jeff? <laughs> but um, I feel like my list this year is full of impossible movies, movies that should not be possible. Avatar feels this way. RRR feels this way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everything, everywhere, all at once absolutely feels this way. The filmmaking itself feels impossible. The logistics of shooting every piece needed to make this, the assembly of that, the puzzle that is this movie, but also the ideas and the concept should not work. This movie should not work. It's audacious and amazing. It is a killer sci-fi idea that is explored to its full extent, which is one of my favorite things in any storytelling medium is where you take this beautiful kernel of an idea and you just run with it and you go as far as you possibly can to think about all the ramifications all the ways that you can push the edges of the idea to its limit this movie absolutely does that and i love it it's also a beautiful relatable tale of parenthood and personhood and identity that is genuinely very touching and moved me emotionally and i think this movie is in that pantheon of all-time great movies for me it is a triumph it is a staggering achievement uh and you know as much as i think you guys all expected me to put way of water number one and i certainly struggled with it i could not deny that this movie everything everywhere all at once was the most the most 2022 movie for me it it, it mm -hmm. was it came out of nowhere and it absolutely transported me and it is a movie that i will always i mean i will i think i'll always cherish a way of water as well but i i this one is 
it's just it it feels impossible and it feels magical and i i know you guys share that feeling that's everything everywhere all at once it's jeff canada's number one movie of 2022 devendra hardware what is your number one movie of 2022 yeah how dare you assume jeff don't assume anything <laughs> my number one movie is also everything everywhere all at once what did she jump she's off the damn map She appears to be in a universe where everyone has hot dogs instead of fingers. I mean, it just doesn't matter how many times I see it. I'm just so much... <laughs> 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 evolutionary branch in the anatomy of the human race? Who knew the guys behind the turn down for what video <laughs> and its mechanical boobs could make one of the best movies I've ever seen? Like, in, in my lifetime. This is a movie that features also somebody I've loved forever, features Michelle Yeoh and finally treats her like a star, like the way she should be in America. And also, I think like better than a lot of movies um, like in China and Hong Kong than she's been in too. It's about love. It's about life. It's about everything. Like this movie just has so many layers to it. It is, it is truly the everything bagel of a movie. And you know what, guys? I love everything bagel. <laughs> I'm legit like emotional because my number one film of 2022 is also everything everywhere all at once. Woo! Maybe it's like you said. Maybe there is something out there, some new discovery that will make us feel like even small pieces of shit. Something that explains why you still went looking for me through all of this noise. And why, no matter what, I still want to be here with you. I will always, always want to be here with you. And I'm emotional because, you know, like, um, uh, look, uh, we're all really different people. <laughs> <laughs> the three of mm -hmm. us, you know, we're three different human beings, but the, the the idea that we could all be like touched by the same film is um is uh, moving to me, you know. There was a clip that went viral this past year, uh, Michelle Yeoh being interviewed by GQ, mm -hmm. and she talked about the experience of reading the script, uh, the Daniels inviting her to be part of this movie, and what it what it meant to her that they invited her to be part of this movie. Here's a clip from that interview. When I read the script, I thought, this is something, oh dear. No, this is something I've been waiting for, for a long time. That's going to give me the opportunity to show my fans, my family, my audience, what I'm capable of. To be funny, to be real, to be sad. Finally, somebody understood that I can do all these things. I feel like, you know, it's it's a very powerful moment because a lot of people think of Michelle Yeoh as like this badass who can do martial arts and and hold her own with these mm -hmm. big action stars, you know. Which she is. Um, which she yes. is, right? Uh, but but primarily that's what they think of her as. And yeah. even for someone as beautiful and as famous and as important and powerful as Michelle Yeoh is, she often doesn't feel like people see her for who she really is and see her in her totality. Mm -hmm. 
And by being invited to do this movie, she felt seen. And I feel like that's what everything, everywhere, all at once does for a lot of people. Uh, this story is about multiverse hopping and how it impacts an immigrant Chinese family. But so many people have found something universal in this hyper-specific plot. The movie was about coming to terms with parenthood, or coming to terms with depression, or coming to terms with ADHD, or coming to terms with the immigrant experience, or whatever you wanted it to be. I personally was deeply moved by how this movie reflected my own anxieties about my upbringing, about generational trauma, how difficult it is to have parents who are from the old world and mm -hmm. trying to live in the new world and really just trying to do their best. But that's the gift that this movie gives us. That's the, movie this, this, that's the gift this movie has given me, is it helped me to feel seen by a movie. And that's why it's my number one movie of 2022. Wow. Wow. Stunner. Yeah. I mean, Stunner. from I last year where that. we all yeah. had different number ones uh, to this year where it all syncs up, I think it's, you know, it's an amazing thing where our, I think our lists were really divergent. Re really divergent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah really diverse kinda... lists, like a lot of different movies on it. So yeah. probably like looks like at least a couple dozen distinct films. So. The only one, I think the only two that were on every, all three of our lists are RRR and everything everywhere and all at once. Top Gun? No, I didn't have Top Gun on mine. Jeff oh, yeah, didn't have did. Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah. I, I'm going to say, Jeff, I, you know, I know you want to do honorable mentions of the show. I'm going to tease it for the After Dark. I that's think we fine. should do it for the After we're, Dark. We're giving it to everybody, so that's fair. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. giving it to After Dark, but I, I, I want people to listen to the After Dark, you know, as yeah. a separate episode. But like, It's hard for me a... not to try to mention all the movie, movies that didn't yeah. make my top 10, though. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know, but I, wanna, I want hard. people to yeah. listen to the follow-up as well. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, that's our, that's our top 10 list. Um, great list, guys. And uh, this, this is, was great. This, this is the episode yeah. that we put the most work into every year. And I, I can tell you guys put in tons of work into this, and I really appreciate it. So um, a big thanks to uh, to both of you guys. A big thanks to all of our listeners. And a big thanks to everyone at patreon.com slash film podcast um, for making the show possible. So yeah. Thank uh, we you. hope. Yeah. Th thanks for co coming through another year with us. Um, boy, the last couple of years have been weird, you know, <laughs> just in terms of like. The, the theatrical film going industry, the entertainment industry, our and lives, yeah, our lives, yeah, just, just everything's oh been God. so super weird. And I had another um, kid this year, guys, yeah, incredible. Wow. Nowhere, incredible, it's popped up, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and oh. we're just grateful oh. that people continue yeah. to um, continue to listen to the show, continue to engage with the show. Um, it really does mean a lot to us. So, uh, and th thanks for listening. We hope if you if you're joining us for the first time in a while, we hope you'll subscribe at thefilmcast.com. Uh, and consider joining us as we go through this year because 2023, this is the year that I think movies are really going to come back. I think like <laughs> this time, I think this, this time, time. Be, no, I, yes. I legitimately think like this summer movie mm -hmm. wager, like when we do it in August, April, like it will be like closer it's to, be back huge. to normal. I don't it's going to be huge. Man. I, yeah. I, I hope so, but I, I look at the slate of summer movies and, and I'm not super inspired, but we'll see. Mm. I don't know. I, I, right, I feel like the meme of the guy behind the tree just like, Fold my hand, just like, oh yeah, this is gonna be delicious. Twenty twenty three looks fun. I think twenty twenty three is gonna it's it's gonna be it's gonna it's not necessarily gonna feel quote unquote normal, but it'll feel the closest to normal we've mm -hmm. had, I think, since the pandemic. Even uh, this year it just felt like barren at the at the yeah, movies for much true. of the year. So mm -hmm. so I think this will be a year of returning to normality. I mean, Jeff, look no further than the fact that in the month of in the year of our in the month of our Lord January of 2023, 
There is going to be a movie starring Gerard Butler called Plane coming up. Plane. Plane. P L A I N. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is going to bring us into this week's episode of the Filmcast. Uh, and thank you so much for watching or listening. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his band, Varsity Blue. Uh, our spo- our uh, weekly plugs music typically comes from Noah Ross. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. This episode had production assistance by Kurt Mega and Alexander Casanova. Uh, next week on the podcast, we are going to be discussing Megan. <laughs> Mithrigan? 2023, off to a great start. Which, <laughs> yeah. is, which, which, which might be our number one film of 2023. I'm just calling it right now. That might be our Maybe. number one film of 2023. It's from okay. the director of Housebound. They just realized that. Mm-hmm. So Certainly I really liked Housebound. Next week it will be because it will be the mm-hmm. only movie we'll have watched. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Says yes, you. be sure to stick around for After Dark, which will be released separately, which will contain all of our special categories, honorable mentions, uh, movies we didn't get, movies they didn't get, and so on and so forth. Um, so stick around for that. And of course, patrons will get that early, but everyone will get that eventually. Um, and that's going to bring us into this week's episode. Again, what a great time. What a great year for movies. Thanks so much for listening. And until the After Dark this week, we will see you later. Later.